Welcome to Kafaru Cast, everyone. Uh, today I have my super good friend, longtime traditional archer, uh, Tom Clum Sr. Uh, across from me. What's going on? Oh, not much, buddy. Good morning. So you can imagine with Tom and I on the mic, uh, if you're not into traditional archery, you're probably not going to listen to this one, although you will learn something about uh, form and function of shooting a bow, so maybe, maybe you do want to listen, but we're probably going to go down to all kinds of rabbit holes, uh, but what we're going to base most of this on is uh, the new, uh, well, I call it the grip clicker that Tom invented and patented, and it's a new you know, psycho trigger. It's uh, basically a, a something he came up with that I feel, if you use it correctly, fixes a lot of the issues with some of the other types of clickers. And for those who don't know what a, a clicker is, the, the most common for a traditional bow is this mechanism that sticks to the top of your limb, and then there's a cord that comes off of it that hooks to your string. And when you get to a certain draw length, if you're performing back tension correctly and all that other stuff, it clicks and lets you know when to fire. So it's a draw check and a psycho trigger, all of those things combined. It's what I've been using, but there is some some downfalls to that. Uh, one is trig- trigger panic, um, <laughs> or, or it is the signal to collapse for some people. Other people, it's the signal to spaz out. There's some other issues with it. But Tom, why don't you go into some of the different reasons why that you invented this and downfalls will kind of go from there. Yeah, sounds good. I mean, and I want to address uh, trigger to collapse, trigger to spaz out, because there are specific reasons why that happens. So I'd like to address those. Don't, let's not forget to talk about that. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so, you know, I've used a limb-mounted clicker quite a bit. I know all the hassles to it. I know why it's a great tool, too. Um, you know, it's draw length specific. I mean, if you look at an Olympic archer, best archers in the world, right? They use a riser mounted clicker for every shot of practice and every shot of competition. Um, there are natural processes that our brain takes control of that really work well for us in some instances. And it learns to do some things that we really don't want it to do in other instances. It gets really efficient. Um, if you looked at, and you've probably seen this by now, uh, kind of the route a normal traditional archer takes. First of all, they get a recurve bow, and they don't look at shooting it the same as they did their compound. They kind of think, uh, well, I got this bow, and it's super fluid and fast, and I kind of pull this heavy bow to my cheek and burn a hole in the target and let go, right? I'll speak that to my generation at least. <laughs> you know, these days with you out there and me out there and some other really good people, you know, good information about shooting is so much more available now, which is just an awesome thing. But anyways, let's just go to that most simple way that guys shoot a recurve. What you'll see is that uh, improvement kind of happens quickly. It's amazing what the brain can do just looking at a spot and pointing at it. And most men can get pretty good with that thing. And they get better and better and better. And pretty soon they're almost pretty dang reliable of looking at a spot and pulling that back. Uh, the best ones really anchored and, and settled in. Uh, the other guys like me, it was more like just kind of a slight settle and shoot. And then uh, all of a sudden, the brain starts doing what it does. And this kind of stuff takes, you know, a lot of stuff manifests, manifests itself in six months to two years. Well, the brain knowing its job, it kind of likes to do things for you subconsciously. And we were all taught to burn a hole in the target. I mean, to completely 
completely be involved in aiming. That was like the key to shooting well, with, especially with instinctive aiming. And so what happens is the brain kind of gets the idea that, you know, that release happens when you aim. Because at first you're thinking about the steps in your shot and kind of thinking your way through. There's positions and movements to learn, even in the most basic, uh, you know, sequence that you might use. So you're, you basically, let's just shorten it up. You draw, anchor, aim, release. Pretty soon you don't even have to think about anything about the shot, and it's pretty much anchor and release. And pretty soon you don't even think about that, and it's aim, release. Well, there's going to be thousands of guys that relate to this because pretty soon it's aim, release. Pretty soon it's aim, release. Pretty soon those things are completely tied together. And then for a giant number of us, you'll be drawing the bow back. You're not even near your face yet, and release happens. That is because subconsciously the release got attached to the aim, which causes all kinds of other stuff to go on too. But in, in short sense, if you're consciously thinking about aiming, you cannot consciously finish your shot. In other words, that release does turn subconscious linked to the fact that you're aimed. So this thing shortens and shortens and shortens. The more nervous you are, the quicker it happens too. I've had some epic failures on animals like that in early days of this stuff, in early days of this miserable form of target panic. And I guarantee there's a bunch of guys relating to this right now. Well, Tom, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. If you're listening to this and you're a compound shooter, I can say firsthand it's it's no different. The only reason why I interrupt is make sure I understand. When you have a compound and you have a, a recurve, and I can say this without doubt, <laughs> doubt mm -hmm. target panic is the same. Same. Um, when you have a, a wrist rocket, hook your, put your index finger knuckle under your ear, get your nose on the string, mm -hmm. your pin is going to be figure eighting or whatever, and then bam, you you hammer the trigger. And then pretty soon, less figure eight, bam, and then pretty soon the pin's on the way up and it's stuck at the bottom, and bam. It's the same principle where you talk about aim, release, aim, release, aim, release. And yeah. And your head's going, shoot, shoot, shoot. And you can't, you get to a point where you guys with a recurve, they have to close their eyes to hold it full draw. Same thing. There's target panic is so bad for some people with a, a compound. They they cannot aim without punching the trigger. And so with a compound, you're going to use maybe a different release. You're going to take your side off. And with the recurve, which Tom's talking about, you may do different things. But the problem is the same. So listen to this shit because it'll fix it either way. You're using different tools, but same problems. So yeah, sorry, I'll talk ahead. about the compound for a second. And you're probably best to talk about a compound in a lot of ways because you've been an elite level compound shooter. But you put that pin on the target and your next job is to pull the trigger, right? Yep. And the same dang things happen. What do we do? We start really focused on nailing that pin into the bullseye, right? Yep. And the brain knows its job. And pretty soon that little trigger press gets linked right to the fact that the pin is over the bullseye. Yep. And then pretty soon the trigger punch is completely out of our control. Yeah. And then you get excited and that trigger punch becomes the cobra strike, the dreaded cobra strike. Oh, yeah. You, you'll bend the hook on your trigger. Yeah. Uh, it's like you're Pearl Harboring it. Uh, you're, yeah. you're sneak attacking it. Yeah. And so you know, it has a lot to do with what Joel talks about all the time with link bracing. Your body braces at that moment because it's got shock of the bow going off, and it turns into a real shit show. Well, and, and some of the things, now I will say some of the things Joel and I agree parallel on and some we don't, but the, the general gist of it, 
and this is something I talked to you about, um, and, and honestly, at some point in time, I talked to Joel about and get us all on because people, everyone is different, and people get confused by some of this. And and so, if you look at a uh, a compound, um, whether you it's linked bracing or whatever, when you tell your brain, your brain tells your right finger if you're right-handed to punch the trigger. Mm-hmm. Your brain in a split second, faster than lightning, tells your left hand, shit, he just shot, grab the bow. Mm-hmm. And you'll, you, you've got, <laughs> you've got some, I wouldn't, they're not ancillary benefits. They're not good, but you've got corrective bow arming going on. You've got peaking, you've got collapsing, you've got all these different things that, that happen. And, you know, for, you did an analogy with me once and, and, it, and I'm very, I'm I'm way too. In fact, Rob was giving me crap on Stickbow Chronicles. When I shoot a 3D course, for example, when I shoot it, I will grab a notepad. I'll I will guess the yardage and write it down. Um, I'll shoot the target, whatever that distance was. You know, I want I range it afterwards. I hit whether I hit left, right, high, or low, and I, I'm writing these things down because you will have for some people whatever you call it, linked bracing or whatever, mm-hmm. at, in my case, 16 to 20 yards. For whatever reason, it's so easy, I'm fucking up. I'm, I'm doing something that I shouldn't be doing, generally because it's not just because I don't, well, I do now, I practice up close. A lot of times I think when it's close, you fall apart, whether it's because of the bow going off or whatever, because it's so close, it's a gimme, and you are not putting you're all into that shot. That's all, you're not putting your best effort into it. You're not increasing tension. Something happens. And then you're going to have, for some people, they'll say, man, I'm always good between, you know, around 25. If you film them and you watch them at a 3D course, their honey hole is 25 for whatever reason. That's their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And this has to do with the mental side of things too. In my case, 28 to 40, I'm money. I'm happy. You start getting under 28, which you've seen, is is crazy. I mean, I've seen a lot of guys, older dudes, bash the crap out of me. This is impossible. I promise you, you want me shooting at you at about 24 yards. You don't want me shooting you at 34. I just, for whatever reason, and I've really worked on this, the clicker, however you, you put it, and, and Tom, I don't know if I'm jumbling around this too much, but that keeps you honest or its job is to keep you honest, increasing tension, doing yep. what you're supposed to do, not peaking, is the idea behind this, of, of all of this. Absolutely. But to help these guys learn a little something, there's a bunch of these guys we're preaching the choir on, but let's go talk to your subject for a second. So you'd probably agree with me that like the one of the biggest problems in archery is over-aiming. We got all involved in aiming. And then we can't do our job with the trigger, with the release, with the release and follow through with the recurve, or run a trigger properly with the compound, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Totally agree? 100%. Yep. <laughs> so for you, from 28 to 40, it's pretty easy to see your gap and transition your mind and attention. Yeah. And I'll bet you a couple of different things might be happening, but I'll bet you this would be my primary guess. When you're in that under 28 zone, you get pretty involved in aiming. Yeah. Yep. And then when you're involved in aiming, the conscious mind can drive one activity at a time. It can control one thing at a time. Subconscious can control numerous complex activities through imprinted motor programs. But whatever you're thinking, you got to remember, excludes all other thoughts as far as control goes. Yeah. So if you're involved in aiming, 
You cannot be involved in finishing your shot correctly. No, I I would agree. And we're going to go down all kinds of rabbit holes because I'm I way love too these analytical. Yeah. So I have that 3D course at my house and I, and I got American Bowman not too far down the road. So my 3D course now, if you notice, there is a shit pile of targets between 12 and 24. Perfect. Because yeah. I, I got to practice that. And as I was screwing around with the, the, I'll call it the cord clicker, your clicker, and no clicker. Mm-hmm. And okay, so I found, and this is, a lot of people can relate to this. You can kind of wing it half-ass and hit targets close up. And, and you may not hit them. Meaning in practice, right? Hunting, you're going to kind of fall apart because all the bad things you talked about. But what I found when I had the the string cl- clicker is close up because I'm pulling through, waiting for that thing to click. And this is my own brain. I'm not saying everyone's like this. I'm pulling, pulling, pulling. I'm waiting for it to click. I'm also trying to aim. And there's this menagerie of crisis is going on at one time. I'm trying to increase tension. I'm also trying to aim and my brain's going about 14 different ways, which I'm agreeing with everything you just said. Yeah, so you just you just nailed the problem. So I, I get rid of one or the other. I get rid of the string clicker and I go to the what I call the the Eichler grip it and rip it mentality. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, inside of 24, let's say, I'm gripping it and ripping it fairly well. And like I told you earlier, Occasionally, though, you get that that crisis moment. You've gone from gripping it and ripping it, and um, you're on automatic, and automatic works pretty well at those distances. And then you get a bad one for a while. Yeah, yeah. and and yeah, that that's very important. We do add for a while because <laughs> it is <laughs> it, it is for a while because eventually, you know, you'd say like a, a boxer, a puncher's chance. It's same with archery. Mm-hmm. Even a guy with target panic occasionally is going to have a good day where his timing's on. Yeah. It's just the rest of the time, 364 days out of the year, that one 365th day, you cannot say I've got her licked. But you got to admit, even on that day, that guy's shooting with hope. Oh, shit. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm in there. I yeah. live that way. Well, and, <laughs> I'm not criticizing. I live there for years and years. Oh, yeah. Well, what I found, and, and, and this is a lot, I didn't go straight to your grip clicker. I had both of them on for a while. I had them off and because I'm very, I'm not going to promote something unless I believe in it as well. Now it did take me a couple weeks to get it set up right. But what I found with that grip clicker, 90% of the time it's clicking. But what it is, is a reminder for me to increase tension. My brain is not on the, I'm not trying to focus on one thing. It's more of a fluid motion and it's more rhythmic, It's and I have more confidence in it, and it's hard for me to explain in, in exact words. And we could probably get uh, John Dillinger, John Dimmage, Dimmer, Joel Turner, you, me, and talk about this, and everybody's going to have their own special sauce. But the, 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 the bottom line is, is if you're putting too much, if you're focusing too much on aiming or focusing too much on the click or trying to do both at the same time. It ain't going to work. And I can tell you that, and I can shoot, but there are times, and, and you would set up 3D courses with targets close yeah, to, I handicap, to, beat you. Yeah, to handicap yeah. me. That should tell people <laughs> something that what Tom's talking about is right, because when there's targets close up, a guy like Jake Downs, um, he, he's got a very high probability of beating me close up, because he's better at close up than I am. And I, obviously, I've worked on that a lot. But what I found is exactly what you're talking about. I'm looking a foot below the foot, right? Mm-hmm. Looking at my point. 
I'm trying to increase tension to yeah, like you're supposed to do, but it's it's more of a mechanical movement. And when I say mechanical, meaning I'm trying to turn into a machine on multiple different things. And the human brain for me doesn't work like that. It's got to be fluid. I can't. Okay. Pull, 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 aim, 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 aim. I can't focus on all of them at the same nope, time because it can't. goes to hell. So with your grip clicker, I was able to get it set up to where 99 times, 90 times, whatever it was out of a hundred click shoot. The good thing was, is if it didn't click, I still have it there. I'm still increasing the tension. Once I'm at, once I'm anchored and I'm starting to increase the tension, my brain was not on all of these different things at one time. I still had a clicker that warm and fuzzy in my palm, whether it clicked or not all the time was somewhat inconsequential. I mean, I wanted it to click, but if one or two, three times out of a hundred or 10 times, it didn't click, it was there and it served its purpose, um, which was much better than me focusing on this cord hanging over my head, trying to get it to pull through the click. And it's hard to explain all of this, but it, it worked well for me. It got you to do the main job, which is transitioning from aim into tension. And you know enough about good shooting to stay in tension, bam, right through the follow through. So let's boil it down. So I don't care if you're talking about a recurve or a compound. Any elite level shooter, put a, you have to aim well. We'll put a great aim on the target. Yep, I like it. And he'll soften that aim or he'll zoom out to a sight picture and have a softer focus on that bullseye. And then it'll make a transition in tension. If you're running a sear, if you're running a, a, a sear in a release, whether it's a caliper, whether it's a thumb, whether it's a hinge, you are simply adding tension, correct? Yeah. And your sole focus goes to the subtle, precise increase in tension till that sear breaks with a compound. Yeah. That is the key. It can be that simple if you let it be. Well, and with a compound, now I... I'm not going to say I mastered the compound, but I had that thing pretty well licked You're for pretty, the most part. Pretty flipping good with it. I, you know, I didn't have tension in my hand with the compound. I went from shooting four finger to three finger to, to two, mm-hmm. almost out to the end of my finger. Extreme release. So whether it was 10 yards or one of the guys that was talking to me the other day, um, the guy from Tennessee or Georgia, uh, he kind of screws around both with you guys and no limits. Uh, Ken, I think his name is. Oh, yeah. I know so, who you're talking about. Yeah. He saw me shoot a, and this isn't a bragging thing. This is just general principle. He saw me shoot a 300 with 59 X's with a 92 pound hunting bow. (laughs) And, but what I was able to do when I did that was keep my, my hand relaxed and follow all the correct procedures that you need to execute a good shot and not let the weight get the better of me because the weight on the bow this is compound or recurve, mm-hmm. will make all of these fail 10 times. Well, maybe not 10 times. You are going to fail at everything we're talking about much faster when you're overbowed. And, and in some cases, can't even perform them because you're too overbowed. And it's mm-hmm. no different. Exactly. If you can't increase tension because it's too overbowed with a stick, it's no different with a compound. You may have gotten it to full draw, but if all you can think of is, Jesus, get this thing to go off, it's yanking yep. me through the peep sight. And I, I talked with him about it, and I said, man— I'm strong enough to where that amount of weight with taking my time shooting, I can pull that off. The problem is, and when you say it works for a while, if I had to shoot back to back to back ends by the second or or rounds, by the second or third, uh, 300 round, you're going to see me start doing that 
automatic mm-hmm. uh, hand movement to get the, the release to go off. You're going to start to see my pin move more, which is bad. The more my pin moves, the more my brain's going to tell me to fire off Time my re- yeah. yeah. That same thing happens with a stick. And I see guys do it all the time. And under pressure, their arrow gets longer if they don't have a clicker or don't draw because they'll go to anchor and then the arrow's actually extending the wrong way and they're shooting on a collapse. That's overbowed. Yeah, they yank it back into an anchor or some semblance of one a holding position and they can't keep it there. And so they're bleeding tension big time the whole time they're before release. And what's – and Basically, mechanically, the number one reason we miss, especially with a recurve, is loss of tension. Because loss of tension, not only you're collapsing on the backside, but it always creates a subtle collapse on the front side. So if you're a front, uh, I mean a right-handed archer, that front arm is dipping into the right and vice versa for a lefty. Yep. So anytime you lose tension in the back, you have a... Well, I'm going to say most of the time because a good barn will save you once in a while. But you have a subtle collapse in the front. And an eighth inch of a collapse, I mean, a collapse we can't even see without a high-speed camera, will throw that arrow to the right four inches. Yeah. Or eight inches. Or what's that doing at 40 yards? I got to tell you, as I went (laughs) down this palm clicker rabbit hole, you couldn't – nobody could see it until I was – and I wasn't collapsing all the time, but that clicker – I was collapsing a little bit. Now, mm-hmm. it didn't happen very often, but when it did, it was noticeable for me, but I still would hit okay. Yep. Now, I would hit okay in practice. Okay for hunting is not good because it's way not okay because shit goes downhill. What would happen basically is is if I would – so if you have a clicker cord, and you can tell me I'm full of it, this is for me, and you are drawing, 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 and you just can't hit the clicker. Maybe it's an uphill shot or it's your sitting. Yeah. I believe there's a high probability you're going to shoot on the collapse if you can't get it to click. A giant po- probability for and, most of us anyway. Yeah. In my case, it, my bow, my, you said it, your bow arm carries you. My bow arm would carry me enough to still hit a kill ring, especially inside of 25 yards. And, and, and it would you know, be close enough. But what I noticed was my groups overall, when I got rid of the limb clicker, because even though the palm clicker may not have clicked, I'm still increasing tension to get it to click. and Right through finish, through right? F- yeah, right through finish, which was – now a lot of this is mental, but archery is a lot mental. So it doesn't yeah. really matter. So even though in my in my head I got a cord overhead, I got a little metal – you know, my little spring steel little clicker thingy, and I'm like, okay, pull, pull, pull. And then I say, I'm going to shoot anyway. Now this is where something that would be interesting to, to discuss more – you could say that I have made a conscious decision that to make the shot without it clicking, that that is okay. What I found out is, in theory, that is okay, because I'm, I'm not just saying shoot and letting go. I'm saying, all right, it hasn't clicked. I'm going to go ahead and shoot. My problem was, which I didn't even know myself until we started videoing it, I put a Sharpie mark on my where the little bump out is. Mm-hmm. Well, you could see, and it was minute, that if I couldn't get it to click, I would decrease tension a hair when yep. I decided. Now, it that we're talking slow-mo photography and a lot of anal retentive videoing to yeah. figure all this out. But it would happen. And I tell you what would happen at 40 is I would shoot. You've seen me shoot at 40. Softball groups. 
And all of a sudden, I'd have one down in the leg. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, it's, am I peaking? Am I doing this? Well, I'm thinking, man, my shot felt good. You're watching my head. I don't get a lot of head movement. Doesn't look like I'm collapsing. Well, at 40 plus yards, uh, a minute amount of collapsing, which you can't see unless you're really filming that arrow. Yeah, unless you slow it down. Yeah. You don't even see it. Yeah, you don't, You can't see it. And, and what I noticed, and again, I've screwed around with this a lot, with that grip clicker is there's a goal for me to get it to click. And I do not lose tension that entire shot. And that's all that mattered to me. And, and when I took the big picture in the lesser of multiple evils, I shoot, and I shot with Dave uh, Hoff the other day, just the grip clicker, and shot my ass off. And I didn't have any lefts and rights. I didn't, I had some highs and lows from my, because we were judging yardage, right? Yeah. But I mean, yeah. but I didn't have any of those, you know, maybe it was one out of 40 targets, but I didn't have one of those, you know, back in the weenus arrows where you're like, what the hell am I doing in the back leg of, of where it fell apart? And a lot of that, or I would say for me, is I never decreased tension. I had increasing tension. And I, I never broke down any of my mechanics during that shot. And I would break down sometimes with a, with a string clicker. I probably made no sense of that. <laughs> well, I was keeping up. I mean, let's be really helpful for a lot of the guys out there that don't get a lot of instruction on form. Let's talk about subconscious aiming for a second, Aaron. Okay. A lot of guys, unless they've had some training, they don't even know that you can subconsciously aim. And they certainly don't know that subconscious aiming is superior than trying to control the pin or trying to control the aim. Yeah. Well, the brain's an amazing tool. If you tell it its job, and if it learn, it'll learn its job just through doing an activity. But you get into, let's say you get into anchor, let's say you're, you're shooting a pin, you put the pin on the spot you want to hit, Guys don't realize that if they'll just transition their vision right to the spot they want to hit and just simply look at it, the subconscious will keep that pin on that spot better than they can control it. Yep. Because a subconscious reaction is faster than a conscious reaction. So if that pin floats off and you're consciously trying to push it back in, and of course you push it past, and you're trying to push it back in, that thing is jerking around like crazy. But if you just simply look at the spot, the brain knows its job. It keeps it floating right over that sucker. And, and I have not mastered it with the stick as well as I had with the compound, but Frank and I were shooting 80 yards one day or, or 100 with the compound, or you'll practice. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, man, my pin's drifting all over the target. And I'm like, Quit yeah, trying, sorry. Mine, mine is too. And he's like, what? And I said, dude, you're going to have pin movement. I'm like, do, okay, you, yeah. do you think I can hold in the middle of that thing at 80? Yeah. And I talked to him about subconscious uh, aiming. Yeah. And I said, man... I'm just kind of looking through the pin, generally focusing on what I'm aiming at, but I'm not muscling it in there. I'm just letting that pin float, and I'm shooting. And I said, believe it or not, even if your pin is floating around, where you're looking is where you're going to hit, but there's got to be a fluid motion to all of that, meaning you can't try and muscle it in the middle. Uh, You're not going to do it that way. You just kind of have to look through your brain knows where you're aiming and you're not over-concentrating on, on that portion of it, for, for me anyway. And, I, and that's why I said, dude, it's just smooth, just rhythmic, just let it float and let it go. Mm-hmm. And because I said, Frank, down there, why I always say a paper plate at, at 80, I could bet on that, is my pen is floating inside of a paper plate. Yeah. If my pen's floating inside of a paper plate, everything being equal, wind, you know, no wind. Yeah. I should keep it in the paper plate. Yeah, because being you know how to run a, a trigger – 
So you're getting that thing to break as a surprise. Yep. If you get it to break as a surprise, it's going to hit inside the pin float. Going to hit exactly where it's aimed. What I was trying to explain to Frank and other people is when you hit outside of the pin float, that is because you've tried to muscle uh, things in, corrective bow arming, peaking. But if you run that correct shot and you get your brain out of the equation, and it's the same with a stick. When, same. This is why when no one's around and you shoot and you have what I call internet groups, your internet group when no one is around is going to be far better than it is when people are around because you're not muscling things in and you're comfortable and, you know, you'll have guys, I, I've seen it, you know, I've, you know, guys that can shoot extremely well under pressure, they break down and it's because they start over aiming and they want to impress or they, you know, they're really wanting to succeed or hit an animal mm-hmm. and their, their form's breaking down when that happens because they're not that fluid motion that they're used to. Okay, um, can I chase down that rabbit hole yeah, a little bit yeah, too? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm right with you, brother. This is all good stuff. It's awesome stuff, and it'll help any shooter. And, you know, a lot of trained compound shooters were preaching the choir. But there's a bunch of guys out there that need to under, understand this information. So, you know, we, we kind of started to touch on it earlier, you know, about these peaks, these things attach the bow going off. If you want to call it link bracing, fine. If you want to call it peaking, fine, or grabbing a bow, fine. But the fact is, it's the devil, the devil it is. attaches <laughs> right at the moment that the bow goes off, right? Yep. That's the whole reason we need to make the bow go off as a surprise. Yep. The only way we can make the bow go off as a surprise is subtle intention, increase in tension in the case of this grip trigger until that little piece of stainless steel under the grip where the pressure is accumulating deforms, creates a little pop, triggers subconscious release. If you're shooting a compound, I don't care what the release style, you're adding back tension, you see the aim, you let it go, that thing's floating in the pipe plate at 100 yards, and you got this subtle and subtle increasing tension, the sear breaks, pop, dang arrow goes right where it's aimed, right? Yep. So I like the term link bracing. I think that's what it is. But let's go back to for a second. Not only does it well, I I just I not only does I'm it, not arguing with you on the linked bracing. Yeah, but we got to dive down that rabbit hole even further later. Go ahead. Okay, <laughs> it is linked bracing. Yeah, the bow's going off. So <laughs> anyway, that linked bracing has a lot to do with personality and amount of mental control that a person has. You're a person with great mental control and a very controlled demeanor. Your link bracing is very low. Even not always. Pressure. You not see always. me come out of tr- control. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw a link brace for a poor guy one day. I didn't want to see. But anyway. So, but it also is highly determined on the state of mind you're in right there. You're in your backyard. You're very relaxed. You have hardly any hypertension in your body at all. Your bracing or whatever's linked to that bow going off is very small. You stick a screaming bullock in front of you, you're excited as hell. There's hypertension all over your body. Yep. Right? And so any of those reactions that happen right as the bow goes off are giant in comparison. And you can't, you can't, you can't concentrate through those natural reactions. Well, I think one in 10,000 can. Okay. I, there's unicorns out there. And, and but hold, the only reason I'm bringing that up is don't use the unicorn. And people... Right. Oh, that pisses right. me off. Well, I've got this one. Okay, one guy. J- Jake Downs is that one guy to me. He yeah. gets better with animals in front of him. He's the one in 10,000, the one in 10 million. He just, when that animal's in front of him where everybody else breaks down, he actually does what he's supposed to. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. 
Well, he gets determined then. Yeah. We asked him. We talked about that in Michigan. At first, yeah. he, he didn't like, no, I don't do anything different. Yeah. You know, and I started talking about these concepts. He's like, okay, I was thinking about it for a while. Yeah. When I'm shooting an animal, I, you know, I kind of do this, this. And what, and what would happen with him when he had a clicker on? It yeah. would take him out of his normal increase. Yeah. And he'd start thinking, thinking about, about the clicker. clicker. Yeah. And that's why he pulls that bastard off for hunting. And I said, normally I tell somebody not to. I'm like, Jake, get that fucker off your bow. Like he he would use it as a hunting. training tool to get him to make that separation that's, during that's what he's practice yep. so that when he's in hunting, he's more likely to make that separation between aim and the increase in tension. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Sorry. But I, I, the only reason why I brought that up is I don't want to hear about unicorns when you tell me when you're doing something wrong, why it's right. Don't base what you're doing off of unicorns. Oh, why would any of us <laughs> want to go to the one guy out of a thousand and do it that way? Yeah. You guys do it all the time. Yeah. Well, my favorite shooter does it this way well gosh that works for him but there's like doesn't work for like the vast multitude the whole population doesn't work for yeah he's a unicorn yeah don't try to be a unicorn <laughs> yeah yeah it's just it's impossible and i say that meaning i i i mean when i say a unicorn w- when you're talking about like when an animal's in front of you when you say oh i shoot better when animals in front of me now you're full of shit one in a ten thousand maybe do that not very many get better with animals in front of them. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. So I think we were talking about state of mind or the excitement level. Guys yep. in the sh- come in the shop all the time. They're like, dang it. Like Saturday, man, I was shooting baseball size groups. I come in here on Monday. I'm shooting basketball. What the heck's going on? Well, I know what's going on. He's got distraction. There's people around, people watching him. And those little reactions to the bow going off get multiplied. I'm not stick an animal in front of you. See what happens. Yeah. You know, in the old days, uh, when I first shooting at compound fingers, man, I'd go to three years, never miss a killer in a target. And it got, you know, I killed them, bam, 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 right in a row. And it got to this thing where in the old days, I started shooting over everything. And I always blamed this, I blamed that. I was looking for a million things like, why can this happen? You know, and thinking back, I'll bet you it was this bracing effect that the excitement got to me and it didn't wasn't really in that shot the first three years probably had a little separation but as my body got more efficient it built in that automatic release linked to that pin going over the killer and now and whatever i was doing yip that sucker right over the top of them and there was a bunch of them like that (laughs) well when you talk about (laughs) you know all of this because you know and i'm i deal with it on the compound and as far as answering questions compound and the uh, the stick bow side and the one thing is and and this is so recently I, I had to dig into trad gang, which is horrible, by the way. I'm not a fan of trad gang because it's a lot of people just horrible, evil talking shit. But I was reading some different things about I don't like the way that the traditional archery is heading. And it was about clickers and things like that and, and what you can imagine it it would be. Crusty guys my age. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't want to throw in an age demographic because I oh, couldn't oh, see how old man. they were. I know how we are. <laughs> so, but I'm I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, okay, I get the idea of where they started and and everything else, but I also get the idea of proficiency and keeping people in the sport. Very few people are going to stick with it unless they hit what they're aiming. Yes, at. this is yes. one reason why people follow you, me, Jake, South Cox. Animals are hitting the ground. Arrows are hitting the target, right? Like those things, and, and we're all pretty honest about our ways and woes, right? I mean, I'm like, well, yeah. you know, missed a 200-inch mule deer. It happens, we're right? But human beings, that we're for certain not going to be perfect. 
but we're showing people the capabilities. Like I, I just posted a shot I took at, at American Bowman. And I was honest, I shot at that target five times. I hit it four. The first one was artillery. Yeah. Um, Ranging arrow. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I should post that one first because dust just <laughs> flew up in front of the foot. And, Probably cool looking. But Hoff and I looked at each other and I was like, good line. I know where I'm aiming now because I just had to go to the next chunk of grass. The thing is, is the reason that, that you or me or Jake or Joel or whoever are able to hit those targets to me is this analyzing, this form, right? The breaking down things, key, increasing tension, everything we're talking about. You can't just walk up to a 70-yard target with the Howard Hill style shooting frequent and hit it frequently. And well, I said there is the unicorns, but for the most part, if you take 50 people and you line them up in a row and you watch them all shoot a target at maybe not 70, 50 yards, most of those guys are going to have arrows in front and the back, left, right, and occasionally hit it. And then you're going to have whatever percentage that you would think you've been doing this longer that are probably lobbing them in that every time when they're lobbing them in that every time they've got a good bow arm they've got good form they're increasing tension and they probably have an aiming method yep and a lot of them don't even know how they're doing it they have all those things in their shot yeah if you question them long enough you'd get to that and they'd even realize it if you really cut down to it yeah but there's always those elements in a good shooter yeah there there has to be yeah (laughs) well that's what i it this is where i I guess what i was you cannot do that, and I don't care what you tell me, you cannot do that with consistently without those elements. And I get overly wrapped up into it. Where And almost, and Randy Cooling gives me shit about it, he's like, Aaron, you can only get so good, and you will get target panic trying to be better than humanly possible. And I'm not, believe me, I am not saying that I am that good. What he's worried about is me getting target panic by being so hyper-focused that I get target panic from over-aiming and the things you talk about because I'm so hard on myself about Over-aiming shooting. is the primary thing that when what he's, Randy's talking about, it, in my opinion, that's what does it to it. Yeah. If we get all involved in over-aiming, we cannot, if you're thinking about aiming, you can't think about finishing your shot correctly. Or, or and I, I would say aiming and winning. And I know people don't look yeah. at it this way. Yeah. I got target panic with a compound from tournaments because I didn't want to lose and I didn't want to miss. Yeah. So over-aiming for winning and for hitting, which is the same right. thing. But still, you, when you see a guy shoot that is 10 times better than he is and he's and it's on a bet, and all of a sudden his left hand, he's white-knuckling the bow, and his nose all of a sudden is just crushed into the string, he's over-aiming. And yeah. I tell this to Amy all the time. I'm like, the reason why you hit what you're aiming at when I'm with you is that calmness. And I'm there, and it makes you – it's just a warm and fuzzy for her. When I'm not there, the strings burying in the nose, which I'm doing it to my mic right now, the death grip of the bow is happening, and you're trying to muscle that in there. You might hit some stuff that way. I'm not saying you're not going to, but overall, it's a shitstorm. It's a, it's a, it's a recipe for problems. Um, mm-hmm. So as we're talking about this, so here's what I wanted to talk about because you know how much I analyze things. Remember when you had me hold my hand up mm-hmm. and I braced it? Yeah. Okay, so the second time I did it, okay, I braced a little opposite. By the fifth time, I know you're pushing on my finger and there's no linked bracing there. Well, there was no movement, but I asked you if there's tension in your shoulder. But that, we only did it twice. 
Okay. What I'm saying is, believe me, I thought a lot about this because it's yeah. a way to perfect my shot. Yeah. By the fifth time, there's not going to be anything because I know you're coming. Right. Now you can, let's say you can fake it, okay? Yeah. And because and I need to use these things to explain it to people too. So if I know, like shooting a bow, and I'm on flat ground and I'm shooting a target, I think that when you talk about tournament archers that can hit what they're aiming at but can't hit an animal or good shots and vice versa or hunters that aren't great shots, I'm going to use Jake as an example, and hopefully everybody understands what I'm talking about here. You get a good hunter that's not a great tournament shooter. If you take a good hunter that's not a great tournament shooter and his group's at 20 or a softball, which is not a good group with a compound, and a pie, pie plate at 40, mm-hmm. I think the difference between that guy who's a great hunter is there the the amount of issues from linked bracing. He is able, he has ice in his veins and his groups don't change. Mm-hmm. And then you compare the guy that and hits. he's highly confident. Highly confident, yep. You care, compare a guy that hits this cap at 20. Yep. But that pushing into the hand, and what Tom did is he had me stand there, hold my hand up, and he pushed his finger into my hand. And the second, you know, you, there's pushback, there's bracing, which is, you know, a mm-hmm. way to prove link bracing. Mm-hmm. I guarantee by the fifth or sixth time, you're never going to know if we do the same thing every time. Shooting a bow is the same thing when you're shooting at targets, me, everything being equal. Okay. We're going to try that sometime. And, uh, <laughs> well, and the, the thing is, is what I, what I thought about this, and, and again, I overanalyze is if we do that over and over and over, it's like shooting a release. Eventually... I know when the release is going off, no matter what release it is, you're going to know when it's going off. No matter, this is a compound. You I don't can, care. You'll get to time it. Yeah. Right. But the idea of practicing that way is you're, you know, it's more or less a surprise to a certain degree. So what I was getting at with you, the first time you pushed my hand, there's a surprise there and you're linked, you're linked, the linked bracing you're, you're prepping mm-hmm. for. The it. automatic response, the second right. time I missed, you came at me a little bit. Yep. The third or fourth, by the time I'm smart enough, I'm just going to close my eyes and hold her still. Well, okay. <laughs> well you, when you close your eyes, you take out the timing device. Well, even if I open them, I have enough mental discipline to, to keep it still. Correct. Keep it still. Yeah. Animals in front of you. And and I'm only saying this so I could explain it to someone. Okay. We're in a perfect world. You're standing three feet in front of me. You're pushing my finger. I'm holding this out to prove a point. I'm not going to have any issue. And I can, you're going to lose because I did it with my wife. I, I, when I say lose, I'm right, not going to change. Add, but I'm going to ask you a question when you get done here, but go ahead. And, and well, and I, we're probably going to, we're probably going to agree on this. Probably. When the elk comes in front of you, it's not foam and it's not equal. It's not the same because believe me, I thought a lot about this whole link bracing thing with you pushing my hand. I'm like, that shit doesn't count. By the fifth time, I'll memorize it. I'm like, you know, because I was, I was thinking truly like, okay, what, Tom, that's not going to work. And I'm being honest. Yeah, you know, that's okay. I'm like, I'm, that shit doesn't count because on the fifth try, I'll memorize it. Right. Just like you're going to memorize shooting at a target. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and what I'm leading up to here is pressure takes you out of that way. I can cheat it. I know it's coming. I can do it over and over like this. Okay, but let me ask you. Yeah. Are the muscles stiff then? Uh, stiff. Well, I think I could beat it are either you, way because I knew you were going to ask that. Okay. Yeah. But we're going to try the, it the next time, though. Okay. Let's say you and you hammer it. You're going to brace on the next one. Yeah. Yeah, exa- and that's yeah. what I'm getting at. Yeah. So could I beat it under exact circumstances? Or if I if I got you pissed off? Oh yeah, I'll, and uh, same. And this Probably one we're going to brace. Probably oh, gonna brace. Well, and you've seen me pissed. I'll lose my mind. So right. let's say me losing my temper is a 350 bull. 
Yeah. Right. Right. That is now what, you're getting to the point. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And that's, well, I thought about this a lot because it's a good way for me to explain it. Yeah. Is, okay, you push my finger and I'm pushing my water bottle. Same, same. And then I Bam. hammer it. Right. That's the elk coming in. You've yes. just taken your yes. control factor and your mental stability, and this is where ice in the veins comes from. Mm-hmm. The guys that can nut up and do not let that affect them, and that's trigger time too. That's also animals in front Big of Big time and, and, and confidence, and, yes. And, and Joel talks about this. He, however, however long it took him to hit an elk, and then he got like her licked. 11 right? years or something right. crazy, yeah. So whatever it takes, and everyone's brain works different to get to where – no matter what's coming at you, you are capable of overcoming that linked bracing. And, and what I'm getting at is where I think I've got it, I've got confidence. Jake's got mm-hmm. confidence. You've mm-hmm. got confidence. And then there's the mantra that, that Joel talks about, right? To, right. To, to, to stay in, to trap your concentration on the job you should be doing, which is increasing tension. Increasing tension. Yeah. And and what I'm what I'm what I was trying to lead up to, which I knew we would agree on this, is yes, I think I can beat the system here. But again, when you take the amount of pressure, and let's say you just touch it the next time, and then you hammer my hand the next time, you've thrown me off. The next time after that, I'm gonna have to do something. But if you do it the same way every time, there's no doubt it can be beaten. Shooting the bow the same way every time, I think that where where we talk, where Joel and I argue. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'm impervious to linked bracing at that, when I say impervious, a lot of people are at the perfect situation. But what am I going to do when it's not perfect? Bingo. And, That's and, the backyard situation as opposed to coming to range or a league shoot or a screaming bull elk in front of your face. Yeah. And I'm being honest with all this because yeah. I micro, I, I dissect. Oh, me too. Yeah. I'm a geek about this <laughs> stuff. So let's bring it home again back to a, a triggered shot of any kind, but I'm going to course talk about the grip trigger yeah so if you if you know that the job is simple as this you put that aim on the elk and then you just look at the spots you want to hit and then you just start increasing tension and you trap your mind on increasing tension and that's your whole flipping job in life is to keep that tension going until that little stainless steel piece under your palm clicks deforms <laughs> and sends a signal for the release if you're thinking about tension you can't be thinking about releasing if you're thinking about tension you can't be thinking about aiming yeah you got to aim well and you got to look at it but there's that's how job how simple the jobs get and that is why and, and i think a non a non-psycho trigger shot is probably if you could do that and very few people can probably going to be better the problem is, is you can tell me that all day long. How many people do you think can shoot consistently at distance close up without some sort of a psycho trigger? One out of 300, 500. I have no idea. I know guys out there. I, there's one guy I follow on the Instagram. The dude is amazing. He's always doing these trick shots with slingshots and freaking yeah. <laughs> slings. And this dude has got some serious flipping talent, right? Yeah. I see a guy like that. I see a couple others. If you look at uh, John Demmer shooting bare bow, yeah. I mean, he says he has no trigger in the shot. I don't know. I see that feather close to those, but I'm not going to doubt it. Yeah. That dude's got some mental control yeah. under pressure, right? He's kind of a unicorn. I was just going to say, I if you're going to be the best in your in the world, I think shooting without a a psycho trigger is probably the only way to do it. The problem is, is none of us are there, right? I mean, it's, yeah. we're not. I, mean, <laughs> I would never ask those guys to to change the darn thing they're doing. They're 
flipping phenomenal. Now, if, it all, if the system all broke apart, <laughs> let's get you on a triggered shot. Let's teach you the system again. Let's get your back under control. And then just, you know, those probably guys could probably get, once they got the separation made again, could get back into their business. But I, am I going to try to fix something that's not broke? Absolutely not. Well, and if you're at a level or can be at that, and I think it would take a a psycho trigger to build up to, to get there. You know, I don't think you just pop right. out the right. This womb does teach you how to do it. In yeah. all honesty, it teaches you, geez, if I do separate the job, and like you and I talk about, if that thing clicks early, we have the control to just keep the tension running right through the follow through position, right? Mm-hmm. On a big majority of those shots. I mean, some make some of my best shots that way. It's like pop. Oh, I wasn't. I hadn't given. I guess that subconscious green light hadn't gone on. You know, the release didn't happen. I wasn't close to into that phase where I was going to shoot the arrow. Yeah. That thing pops, and I just like, oh, yeah, I'm right on there. Just keep it running, bam, to finish position. And some of those shots are, you know, mo- actually most of them are fantastic. Some of them aren't. I lose a little tension. Yeah. Well, and, and I've talked to a dimmer some about this and, um, well, and some other different sh- very high-level shooters that I know, and, and I agree with them. Uh, the best shots you're going to make are without a, a psycho trigger. It's just most people can't do it. Yeah. And, you can't, and yeah. what I found out with the, the grip trigger for me, I'm partway there. I'm not all the way there. I can't, I got to have, for the most part, all the time, there's got to be something there for my goal. I got to have that goal right. there. To it's keep. like a signpost. If you look at the your the, the shot sequencer coming all the little steps up into a holding position, whether you're thinking about it or not, you're kind of climbing the hill, right? Yeah. And you climb the hill and you get to the top, you're in holding. And the aim occurs. And we think that, you know, that's that's the top of the hill. And we can jump off the hill. That would be the release, right? Well, whether you're using a clicker or a grip trigger or a trigger shot of any kind, you got this little sign at the top of the hill that says, no, this is a false horizon. you got this one little more hill to climb before you can jump off. That would be the increasing tension. And something about having that on your bow makes that transition easier, like way easier. Yeah. Like I got another job to do. You brain, you just kind of know you got another job to do once aim has occurred, and that is to increase tension. And that's why you and I talk about, yeah, if I don't always do it, you know, it. Uh, I still make good shots because I just keep the tension through finish. Here again, we've been doing this long enough, and we understand it all well enough, and have a calm enough demeanor to where we can do that. Sometimes I wouldn't recommend that for anybody. I'd recommend learn to just make that thing go every damn time, you know, because a lot of guys absolutely need that every shot. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And most of the time, I need that every shot. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm human. I'm not one of these guys like Demmer or these phenomenal barebow shooters. I don't have that kind of mental control. I've had it for months at a time. Yeah. But I'll pick up a bow and a shot, shoot it quick, and my brain learned a little efficiency, and they just start getting quicker and quicker and quicker, and then bam, down the target panic hole again. And, and it's weird how the human brain works because I shot um, quite a bit, like I said, with the grip clicker, the cord clicker, and no clicker. And I would say 99, 95, somewhere percent of the time, I'm about the same with the grip clicker and no clicker. But I don't have that goal, and so I get complacent. And that's what I was talking to you before is. And the whole program degrades after that, right? Well, unless I just walk away, which is generally what I do. But yes, I, I that is something Joel and I do disagree with. 
I, if you're having a bad day, I'm a walk home guy. Get out of there. Don't ingrain it. You're not going to beat it, right? I, I say go home, reboot, come back to the yeah, next day. If you day, can't gather up the concentration, right, don't go ahead and practice your bad habits. <laughs> yeah, because it's hard to, and again, if someone can do that, that's a unicorn. Um, I can't. If I'm having a bad day, I'm not going to miraculously on target 15 fix it, right? I, I have got to stop or or I'm going to be ingraining things in my brain. And so the one thing I noticed is with the grip clicker, I have the goal, right? I have the goal of, of making that click, increasing tension. And without one, on target seven, good, eight, good, nine, good, target 10, let's say it's a 34-yard turkey, branches in the way, super steep angle. I start concentrating on aiming more than I do tension, yeah. Is is and, and everything goes to shit. And so with that grip clicker, whether or not I make it click, which I generally, like I said, most of the time I'm making it click, mm-hmm. I'm increasing tension and the shot's better. And this is over dissecting this over. Yeah, quite the tool has trained you yeah, to do that. Exactly. One of those tur- I killed those turkeys with the grip clicker, but one of them I clicked early, uh, but I just didn't have a shot. But that reminded me the way my brain works, increased tension, increased tension. I didn't think, oh, it clicked and start loss of tension. It clicked and I'm like still in the shot, keep going, keep shoot, you know, keep tension. And I, I ended up shooting actually farther than even thought it was, but it did its job. I didn't, on a turkey, mm-hmm. you know when you lose tension on a turkey because <laughs> it's a small kill zone. Like yeah. you're, <laughs> it's yeah. hard to kill them. So, yeah. I mean- so far from what I've talked about, is there anything you've got kind of disagreements with uh, for people listening in? No, uh, I think I'm more on the link bracing crowd. I think for most normal human beings, you're going to have a brace linked to the bow going off. Mm-hmm. And it might be so small when you relax that it doesn't really affect your accuracy. But when you're excited, that brace gets bigger. If I snuck up on you in your house when you're calm and relaxed and I clap my hands to there, there'd be a, a little jump from a sudden sudden stimulus, you'd have a little subconscious brace and you look around, Tom, what the hell are you doing? Yep. If you thought there was somebody in your house trying to kill you and I woke up, snuck up behind you and I and I whispered, Aaron, yeah. I better be freaking standing back yep. because it explosive reaction is coming at me. So that's the difference between shooting in your backyard and calm state of mind and any shot under any kind of pressure, a shot you really want. And now when you lose confidence, those things magnify like a big dog. Yeah. And I, I'm agreeing with you. And that's, uh, you know, again, when I broke down the pushing on my hand. Yeah. At first I literally drove away thinking that's a crock of shit by the fifth thing. (laughs) I know exactly what's going to happen. And then I thought, well, hold on. He could punch my hand and then barely touch it the next go around. And then I broke it down to shooting and I'm like, all right, no one's around. All right, that's pushing the finger normally. It's just Tom. Yeah. Yeah. And then, okay. (laughs) High pressure tournament shot. We're 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 back to punching the hand, okay, yeah, and then exactly. or, or elk. bingo. And I think the people, I love your analogy, honestly. Well, I just for me, very rarely, and I'm overly candid with my ways and woes of traditional archery, you know. And so, what guys like you with, with? So, for example, my owl dad. Guys are like, oh, that's some, it, it's one of the owl dad largest free range owl dad ever shot with a bow, maybe the largest. I missed eleven times. Before I killed that. Not at that out, Dad. They're smarter than that. You only get to miss once. Um, but I missed 11 times. Now, those misses were a combination of hitting crap in front of me, um, you know, misranging or miss whatever you want to call it. it. Just a combination of things. Now, 
when you talk about those, here's another issue is let's say you performed everything correctly and you missed. That can be another epic crisis people don't think about because you're only as good as your last shot. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to shake that shit off Mm -hmm. and go into round two A-OK. And and that luckily I'm pretty good at that. Mm-hmm. And and that's one thing John Renfred he comes over to your shop all the time. Yeah, he talked about. It. He goes, dude, I learned so much from you. One of the major major things I learned is it is okay to miss, as long as your next shot is not affected by the miss before. If that makes any sense, like it makes complete sense. I call it having a short memory. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tracy was when he, he was shooting tournaments and he was so good at it. He'd flub a shot. And he, what he one of the reasons he's so good is like, huh, okay, and yeah. he'd and he'd roll off. You know, six tens in a row right after a couple bad ones, uh, having a short memory. One thing is we get so dang hard on ourselves, and especially as perfectionist personalities, but we're human beings. We are not perfect and never will be. In the goal schedules I saw at the Olympic Training Center, 90% of perfect execution was the top goal that they put on anybody's mind. Yeah. They kind of want you to recognize, yeah, they're not all going to be perfect. I only use, you know, Joel talks about this a lot, just like using a miss or, you know, you know, well, go back up just a touch. The last step in a shot sequence from U.S. Archery is evaluation or feedback. Yeah. Okay. Let me, what did I do there? Yep. I sure shit. I was now, thinking, thinking about that click. listen to this because fucking no one does it. Evaluate what you did. Like, every shot. Every shot. And I, I talked about it on Rob's podcast. Every shot. When I go shoot by myself, and, and uh-huh. only because it, people get tired of you writing shit down, every target I'm writing down, I got a notepad. Yeah. This is what happened. And I, and I have a list. I check distance. Did I judge it correctly? Um, did I not judge it at all? Meaning I instinctual. Did I miss left? Did I miss right? Was it high, low? Was it perfect? What I did? Uh-huh. And I dissect those, and, and no one does that, and they need to. The, absolutely. I shoot a little bit to the right. I'm like... Okay, was the thing about the click? Did I was I reacting to it, or did I, was I really focused on tension in this shot with subconscious? Because if I'm reacting to it, it's going to miss the right. This is going to cause a collapse. Yeah. If I'm not thinking about tension and my mind goes to release, I'm going to lose tension. Yeah. And a little collapse in the front arm, it goes to the right. Or was I really into my back? Uh, I man, I think I was focused on tension. Okay, so I really dive into the back and put that little transfer to hold movement in. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're right. I wasn't doing that. Every shot after that, I'm really focused on dumping right into that back and and that last little movement in there. Yeah, I left a little piece out of my shot. Heck, I could have kept continuing to get worse, but because I thought about a four inch miss the right, I was like, I corrected it immediately. Yeah, and then I started building good habits of putting that in my shot every time. So if a miss should only tick you off enough to be more determined on the next one to do it right. That's the only reason you should. That's hard to say hunting, but it's the same. Well, the <laughs> habits you're learning in, in your practice are going to go right to that hunting shot. I mean, if you should identify two, three, four things you have to think about to make a good shot. If there are elements in your shot that don't go perfect automatically every time, you need to think about them to shoot well. Well, a lot of guys say, I don't want to think about three, four things when I'm shooting an animal. Well, if you have to think about three things to shoot well when you're shooting an animal, you certainly better think about those things when you're shooting at an animal. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I was talking to a guy the other day about this who was having some issues, and I said something that really didn't coincide with that exact conversation, but I said, dude, don't don't be afraid of the monster. Make that monster afraid of you. And he was like, what? And I said, 
You are so engulfed in thinking about target panic. You're afraid of it. I said, dude, just assess the situation, figure out what you're doing wrong, and go from there. I said, right now, the only thing you can think about is target panic. You're, you, you're not going to get it out of your mind. And when I say think about it, meaning not just like, okay, yeah, I don't want to get target panic. Like you're thinking of all the negative things to, that are required to make a bad shot. If you keep only thinking about those, you're not, you're not thinking about increasing tension. You're not thinking about all the good stuff. Yeah. You got to get that shit out of your head. And for some people, it may take a lower poundage bow and five foot, six foot shots or what, you know what I mean? So it, it's going to take different things. Well, but let's go back to what I said before. Whatever you're thinking about excludes all other things. So yeah. if you're thinking about the target <laughs> panic crap, you're excluding of thinking about how to run a shot well. But remember this, if you're thinking about what you need to do to run that shot well, you ain't thinking about target panic. You ain't thinking about the things you shouldn't be thinking of. Well, and, and somebody <laughs> asked me, they were like, can you get target panic from thinking about it? And I was like, it's not that easy, but in a sense, yes. In a way, yeah. Because I always say it's like, I copied Matt Davis. I said it's like Voldemort on uh, Harry Potter. Don't mention its name. <laughs> don't start thinking about it. I'm not saying don't be cognizant of it, but if you start... For example, you get somebody that walks into the range, never heard of target panic. He's he's fresh. He's a he's a he's a white blank sheet of paper. Yeah. If the first thing you do is start talking to him about target panic rather than good shot execution, how he, dumb would that be? That's bad. Yeah. Like, you don't want to do that. You want to walk in, teach him because target panic, in my opinion, mostly well, not mostly. It's bad form is what gets you there. That's why I, I, I tell people to – now, if you're a mental wreck, that's a totally different story. But if you start off with good foundation, good building blocks, good form, the likelihood of you getting target panic is 1,000% less than if you have bad form. And when I say bad form, meaning let's say you shoot lights out and your draw length's an inch long. Whether you agree with it or not, that is bad form because your draw length's an inch too long. Or mm -hmm. let's say you don't have target panic at all, but you're punching the trigger. You are so susceptible to getting target panic, even though you're shooting well, because you're punching the trigger, mm -hmm. you're going to get it. Yeah, it's just I, a matter of time. I like it. If your draw length's too long, you've got this big wavy pin float, you're probably going to try to time that pin on the target and punch a trigger to it, which is going to roll you right down the road of what we call target panic. Yeah, and we're bouncing around here, but as I'm thinking of all this different stuff, like to me, good form, get a coach, right? Get, get solid mechanics. Once you get that solid mechanics down, you can start breaking into more of the mental side of things. And I'm not saying the target panic side, but other mental side. And, it, and I guess it is kind of target panic, but meaning staying focused, under pressure, right? Like if you've got good, folk, you've got good uh, foundation of, of shooting during practice. You're, okay, now start, what's it going to take to get ice in my veins when animals are coming through? If you have a breakdown in that, dissecting it and figuring out what you can do. Like some people write shit on their limb, which generally, in my opinion, doesn't really help. But if, it, if you think it helps, write something on your limb, like, you know, aim and all the different other, you know, all these different things. Mm -hmm. If it's a mantra, some people have, uh, I think that's what Joel calls it, right? Yeah, yeah. Repetitive, repetitive words, any words and repetition or phrases and repetition. Right, right. If that's what it takes, dissect that, do that. In some cases, some people, uh, Jake doesn't have a mantra. 
he I, Jake's a unique character, right? Jake just he he's got something different with him, so he's kind of a unicorn. But whatever it takes for you to hold your mud when something's coming in, do that. Yeah, do that. And and again, when you talk about not everyone's built the same, so everybody's going to be blueprinted a little bit different. Mm-hmm. If you've got good form, you can find those other things much easier because if you don't have big, good form, big time. yes, you may not even know what's going to get you there because your form's also breaking down because there's a huge difference between mental break, not a huge difference. There's a difference between mental breakdown and form breakdown and both because some people I've seen shoot with really good form, can't remember what they did. Um, if this makes any sense, bulls coming in. They draw, they anchor, they do everything correctly. They semi-squeeze the trigger correctly, but they just flat-out miss. Well, they may have lost their mind on large yardage estimation. They have, may have lost their mind on multiple different other things. Mm-hmm. you got to have that package. And so you got to make sure the yardage estimation, your brain staying together, your form staying together. There's a lot of different things involved in that. You just have to have good form, in my opinion. That is the key thing. Perfect it's, form. It's foundational for sure. So you said package. I would say you need a personalized shot sequence. Joel would say you need a blueprint for your shot. Yeah, and all and of that, those are correct. And <laughs> all they're all correct. So there are things you'll notice that you need to think about every time to make a good shot. And so it's really cool to have that. Like it, I know it's going to be a good shot if I do. If I'm running my shot and I do this, this, then this. If I have something like that in my head. That I know if I hit those spots, I'm going to make a good shot. It's really cool under pressure, animal in front of you, 3D tournament, strangers watching you, whatever it is, to go, man, it's a place for your mind to go. And you're sitting there, you're about to make this shot, man, if I just do this, if I put my mind through this, this, and this, it's going to be good. So what do you do? You step up the line and you simply do this, this, and this. It's going to be good. Put your mind in, into some process that you know you can put your talent to do that's repeatable that causes good shots. Yep. Yeah, it takes a little time to figure those things out. It, well, it takes some time to be a good shot, yep. right? So, yeah, there's some fundamentals. The, the grip trigger makes it so much easier because it's it's a thing that, it, you know, let's go back to that thing. It's like comparing it to a limb out of clicker. We don't have to leave any room out of your draw length to make it go off. In fact, I encourage you to, you replicate a draw length really easy because if you get shoulder, shoulder, hand alignment, that replicates a draw length. If you know back tension at all and you wheel that that right side around into full scapular engagement, bam, that replicates a draw length. Now you put all the powder in in the gun. You don't have to leave any room out to get through a clicker. And then just put it, so you just get into holding position, put your aim on the target, look at the bullseye. And simply trap your mind on increasing tension. I'm going to break it's that, that easy. I'm going to break that down farther for people because this is going to happen. One of the things people need to be very realistic on with the grip trigger is you need to have uh, you need to be 100% capable of saying I have some serious imperfections I need to work on because when you're moving the when you set up the grip trigger you the grip trigger. You put it on your grip in a certain place, and you're going to move it up or down, left or right, to where you get the a location for that to click consistently when you're at full draw, executing back tension. Right. When you do that, 
and you are correct 50 to 60 to 70, whatever percent of the time, and you're not the rest of the time, that is you. And you are going to have to suck it up and say, I have issues with my grip or I have issues with certain things because one thing I can guarantee you, the fucking grip and the trigger are not moving. You are. <laughs> it is static. And so this was something I had to do was I need to take responsibility for my own actions, not blame it on the trigger and say, ah, I can't get this thing to click right all the time. Oh, it's definitely I can't because you are 100% responsible for not being able to get that thing. It's not. And, and, and I think I talked to you about this before uh, is, again, if you get at steep angles, that's a different story. Um, when you when you go uphill, it may click a little bit easier and downhill. It may be a little bit difficult to click because you're changing your hand position a little bit. You shouldn't. But there is some on super steep angles. Like I can tell you right now, 45 degree angle, it ain't clicking. I just, unless I, and I, I, just for me, the way that I shoot, mm -hmm. when I say it's not clicking, I don't care if it clicks. The goal is there. Um, and I pull, pull, pull. That is such a steep angle. People don't realize just the way that my body is. I've accepted the fact that I'm imperfected and I'm just going to do my best on basically a vertical shot. Now, let me just go back to before anybody says, well, that's bad. Cause and Tom may be able to get it to click. Let me tell you what happens on a string clicker. There is no way you're getting the string clicker to click and you have that string clicker up there and most people, depending upon how your brain works, are going to shoulder pull because your body alignment and positioning has changed. You're going to try to get that to click and you're going to shoulder pull until you mm -hmm. get it to click, which yeah. is way worse in my opinion. You start shoulder pulling your reactions of your release hand change dramatically to where you're actually operating correct back tension. You start shoulder pulling, your hand is going to, like the hand of Gandalf, you're just going to whip it up in the air mm -hmm. the moment it releases. Big pluck, yeah. Which is horrible. So for me, I've got the grip clicker, I want it to click, and I can get it to click, but it's just, I'm probably 50-50 at a 45-degree angle. The thing I have is increased tension, good shot execution. This is me, and I'm not saying everyone will be like this. I'm just saying what I experienced with it. A 45-degree angle is way steeper than people realize. I, I mean, you're basically on a vertical freaking cliff. I don't know if you shot off stuff that steep, but I'm not talking like, oh, dad, honey, I had the grip clicker on. The difference for me is weird between 25 and 30 degrees to 45 is, is pretty astronomical difference. And I think what it is is because I shoot so low wrist, like a compound, when I'm pivoting that bow down, I'm just not able, whether it's physically or whatever, I have issues getting the same. I, my, my grip is changing. Yeah, is maybe you're high wristing a touch yep. towards it, so keeping the pressure off that bottom part of your hand. Yeah, uh, down ring for me, they pop the same. Um, I can see that. Yeah, I'd like to kind of evaluate that when we're shooting together sometime. Well, and, and again, like changing. I use this. I've been using this thing for, what, two months now, I guess? Yeah, at least, yeah. And, when we were in, in, in Texas, that was the best, because there's five feet of snow around my house, that was the best vertical cliffs I could find. And, and it was 45 and on, so super steep. And I just started, you know, practicing at that distance. I'm like, well, I'm here. And I blew out the out dad. I might as well fling a few arrows down here. And I could get it to click sometimes. Now, uphill, I was fine. I, it's, not, it's not an issue. The one thing I found, though, is my groups were much tighter because I was increasing tension to that goal of making it click. 
and yeah. firing off a good shot. Now, this is is just me. I'd like to lie to everyone and tell everybody I'm perfect, but I it, I just have imperfections on steep downhill shots. Um, I still shot better with it. And in case like where Jake was talking about, with with Jake, the problem he has is that his his head goes straight to the cord hanging above. His brain is going straight to the cord hanging above his head. Yeah. And he's thinking, click, man, click, click, click. Yeah. I just don't have those issues. It's a mental thing with that grip clicker. And I know that's weird. Well, you can put that grip trigger in a spot where you, you know it's going to trigger. Yeah. You yeah. know, if you know it's going to trigger, it's way easy to stay in tension. Yeah. If you're sitting there building tension and you don't know it's going to click, mm-hmm. your mind always goes to that clicker. And that's the problem. You know, me and virtually everybody's had is, you know, so you come in really hard into draw to load or, you know, anchor for some guys and it clicks. And so you let off the click and it takes forever to get back to. Yeah. So the next, then you come in soft and it takes forever to get to because you you came in a little too soft. There's none of that with this thing. Just put all the powder in a gun, go to full alignment, man. Just go right into full back tension, put your aim on the target. And then just have a nice balance. I'm going to say push-pull, but you know I don't mean push-shoulder-pull. I mean push-back tension, but I'm going to say push-pull. And then just in a balanced, precise manner, just start pushing and pulling. Just balance tension, just increase that tension, pop, boom, there goes your release. It is magic when you run it like that. Well, and, and that shot I just posted is pretty steep angle. I don't know if you saw it. It was at a pig at 70-some yards. Yeah, I haven't seen it um, yet. I got it to click every time on that one. No nice. problem. So when you look at this, I'm talking angles that most people will never shoot. Yeah, yeah um, straight down stuff. But I, again, having all of these things combined, practicing with all of them, it was just better for me because of the way my brain works, having that goal there to increase tension. And I'll, I'll kind of round it down and do a compound. So with a compound, whether you shoot uh, a wrist rocket or a thumb button, meaning no back tension at all, you're just, you are depressing a trigger mm-hmm. and the sear is disconnecting. Or, yeah. Or hand manipulation of some kind. Yep. Right. And then you have a hinge where you're rotating your hand to a click or no click, two half moons, and it dumps. Yep. And then you also have the true back tension where... You set it up for the poundage to go off that coincides with the amount of poundage of your bow and the let off and everything else. So break these down and I'm coinciding this. Keep in mind, I'm paralleling this with the grip clicker. Mm-hmm. If you have a, let's say, a Carter Evolution or one of the John Dudley releases where you draw back with the thumb peg down, you let it go, you push, pull, whatever you want to call it, execute back tension, and it fires. That's a true back tension. The issue with that is is when you're all jacked up on Mountain Dew, you're, you're probably, your spring and the amount of weight that you have set aside, predetermined from practice, for that to go off, it'll probably go off the moment you let that barrel go. Well, I say probably, I've seen it happen. Um, yeah. And it just fires, and, and it's a shit show. Yeah. Um, you have a hinge style. When you're facing downhill, it goes off easier because your hand position and your body position, that cam's rotated more. So it goes off easier that way. And then with a, you're going to punch off an index finger, a thumb barrel anyway. It doesn't matter. You just punch the hell out of it. And your brain tells your hand to grab your left. You know, your brain tells your body yeah. to grab it. Yeah. So what you want to do with any of those systems is perfect it to the best of your ability with what you've what you've got at hand. And, and the whole picture here is increasing tension and follow through. And 
Yeah. You, t- you talked about it yeah. earlier. A bow arm, a good bow arm will pull you out of some holes. It will. Yeah. Um, lack of head movement, meaning no peaking. Yeah. So that, that, that brace where you pop your head up. Yeah. That's a f- recipe for crises. That'll make you shoot shit in the leg or over the top of the back, generally high, because you think about it, I'm faking it. If everybody can envision, I'm at full draw. And my release goes off. Your body is so fast and you can't even notice it. I'm already peeking out of the top of the peak when that goes off because it's not a true back tension. You're punching the trigger. As you punch it, you're peaking. And the moment you're peaking, you're corrective bow arming and your pin's going high and you shoot high. And you'll hear people say all the time, I shoot high under pressure. You're probably peaking is what you're doing. You're Mm -hmm. probably, you want to see where the arrow hits. And you caught me doing it once on slow-mo film. And you're like, yeah, that won't really matter at 20, but yeah, it's going to be a problem at 40. And again, if you see a guy miss high, miss high, miss high. If there's video of him, watch his head, and I guarantee there's this hmm, yeah, head, head bolt goes, <laughs> body follows. Yeah. Or in all of those things again is dissecting and you know analyzing. But if you do not have good form, you're basically analyzing hope. You you have yeah. no way yeah. to know what you even done wrong. True. Yeah. Great point. In any of those cases, if that bow truly went off as a surprise. The arrow's off the bow before you can peek. Yep. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's the beauty of a triggered shot, like using a script trigger. Yep. Or running a, a, your release properly, particularly with back tension. You know, I knew you were going to be good with the recurve first time we talked because I knew what kind of compound shooter you were. And I think we just took about taking those elements that you already knew into a recurve made things so much easier, didn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, you know, it is, a bow is a bow. Yeah, the mechanics, the biomechanics behind a great shot. There's, that's one thing you know that guys don't realize how similar high level archery is, yeah. and how similar a guy that shoots a compound well and a guy that shoots a recurve are. It's it's highly similar. So if you're a really good compound shooter with some good decent instructions, put you there's a few changes. Yeah, we got to make. We got to get a finger through the string. We got. I mean, the strength of your fingers, you know, there's a different aiming methods, there's a different anchor point. But if you'll take the the high-level fundamentals to each bow, you're going to be good with each bow. And, you know, that form is more important with a recurve. You're under 100% of the weight of the bow. You can't get away with bad body positions because you're holding 100%, not 20% of the weight. But, uh, I mean, well, and- that's what the grip trigger does. It gets a guy into a controlled trigger press at aiming. Well, and the good thing about it, I've never been a fan of a grip sear. And the reason why is you've got hand movement and you've got Mm -hmm. your brain thinking about pushing some shit going on. You think about something that's not involved in an archery shot. Well, and think about it. Okay, And I've... (laughs) said this to guys and and i'm not poo-pooing on joel because he shoots well with it oh he's an unbelievable shooter with it but i would i would say that's a a unicorn and 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 here's my thing multiple different analogies but we're going to say a bull's coming in screaming when that bull's coming in screaming you go to full draw you anchor are you thinking if you're if you've got to push your fingernail into something to make it click are you thinking about that? Are you thinking about tension? Are you thinking, holy shit, this is the largest bull in my life? You're probably thinking about a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Adding, squeezing your finger into a sear is something that I am not, one, I don't like the movement in that front hand. And then two, I don't like the fact you have to think about it. 
Now, if you're good with the grips here, by all means, rub some funk on it, fire away. I just, you can't say you're good at it with an animal in front of you, haven't put an animal in front of you, and it's just movement I don't like. Now, there's other people that are great at it, so I'm not saying if you're shooting one well, don't email me to tell me I'm wrong. You're you and you're doing great. I just don't like that that movement in the bow arm or the bow hand, and I don't like you have to think about squeezing it. I And I think, and I'd be interested to see, you have to consciously squeeze your fingernail to make it click. I mean, mm-hmm. you're going to have to think about that no, finger. No, yeah, you're thinking about, and it, and it doesn't, like you watch Joel run, it doesn't create hand movement or torque in any way because he's really isolated to one finger till it pops. So it's a very strong trigger. It It's, you know, it's very strong to the brain. My opinion is I want to be focused on an archery movement that's proper, which is, Increasing tension yep. is is adding back tension. It's same thing if you're running a caliper, a thumb, a hinge, a recurve. Yep. <laughs> it's the same. Yep, it's the Put same a good thing. aim on the target. Watch that aim. Zoom out to a sight picture. Soft focus on a bullseye. I don't care if you're using a sight pin. I don't care if you're an instinctive aimer. I don't care if you're looking at a gap with an arrow. And focus on increasing tension. And when you have a triggered shot... It's just like a sear because the shot will go off as a surprise. The brain, I'm telling you, in two to five shots, your brain will learn its job, which is to send the release motor program to the flexors to decrease the tension and the string blows through the fingers subconsciously. The brain learns that job just like it learned to link the release to an aim for all of us that suffered from target panic like that for years. It'll learn to attach the release to the click or the pop in in your thumb pad. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. It's so simple and it promotes you doing something that's a proper archery movement or proper. It's maybe not even movement because it's just tension, a proper archery practice, which is aim. And then to transition into tension, you have to let the aim go. So the aim turns subconscious, which is a better, steadier aim. And then the trap your concentration on just keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing or whatever words, mantras, sounds you use to stay trapped in increasing tension until it pops. Yep. It can be that simple if you let it be. And well, magic happens when that happens. And, I, you know, for, for me, like I, um, I, you know, I have Amy will film me, she'll film me when I'm not paying attention because you can lie to yourself pretty freaking quick, right? So when I was using that, the grip trigger, that is what I was really focusing on is Am I lying to myself? Am I collapsing? Am I doing anything? I mean, you can make yourself believe an arrow hit a bull in the lungs and you hit it in the ass. I mean, you can make yourself believe anything. And what I had noticed was cleaner release, increased tension, obviously better groups, but calmer under high stress yes, situations. Yes, yes. And, and so those high stress situations, not to <laughs> drive down the rabbit hole even more, but we just talked about all the mental game and the... Um, all the things that are needed for a good shot under pressure. If you think about, add to that now a stock. In a stock, you have to be able to slow down the chaos. You have to be able to make your body stop itself from doing things that in your brain are telling it to do, meaning imperceptible movements. You you talk about those. Yeah, yeah. Okay, when you're stocking in on a mule deer, 50 yards isn't shit. That That is child's play. Easy to get within 50. 40, yeah, you're hitting JV, okay? <laughs> you know, 20, 
you've went from JV, you're on the varsity team. 10, you're varsity heading into the pros. From 20 to 10, there's a lot going on from your bino harness rubbing your leg, your, your, your feathers or veins rubbing your legs, sticks, the wind, watching the arrow or the animal's tines, right? You, yeah. All of this is going on and you have to make a good shot. Or, or it hit the, you got to hit the damn thing in the lungs, right? So as this is going on, and this is where I was talking about with, um, you know, the different things other than the shot that you have to focus on. So the last thing you want to be doing is pay a t- bunch more, paying attention to a bunch more shit during the shot. You already have a crisis going on at hand stocking in. And we're obviously we're talking about compound and stick bow, but Tom and I are shooting a stick. We've both shot animals at feet away. South's another guy. No matter what, you have to be able to slow the chaos, make conscious decisions, assess the situation, make sure you make a good choice. And then when you get to the moment of truth, now you're going into what everything Tom and I have talked about. That actual stock has a lot of the same. If you could put some kind of a gripser in your brain to to execute a good stock, because how many times have you seen guys when you know they should be going slow, they cannot control it. And they haul ass in because they're worried about the animal moving. Well, I raise sons into bow hunters. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, good point. Well, and it's it's hard. I mean, it's hard. Everything it's really in your hard. brain is saying, "Get up and shoot it. Get up there. Get up there." And you, and even though it's bedded, and common sense says if you do your job, it's still going to be sleeping when you get there. Something that little devil is still saying, "Go, move your gas up. Get up there. You're going to miss the shot. He's going to get away." Yeah. And he will get away because you're going to make noise and he's going to run. Yeah. But if you can slow all that down, and again, same mental strength you need for the shot, um, and then get up there, good form, good back tension, increasing tension, do all of those things. I mean, that's a package that you have to have and is a pain. And by all means, I mean, you blow enough animals out and you've got a mile and a half uphill climb back to your tent. That's a lot of time to think about it. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of time. You got the <laughs> cone of shame going back and you're breaking it down. And then let's say you do all of that right. And then you screw up the shot. You know, yeah, yeah you got a lot of time to think about that too. And then you went automatic. You did all this cognitive yeah. <laughs> working so hard. And then you just went lizard brain. Yeah. Well, and that's why, um, you know, that's why we all love to do it or, or most of the time. I mean, this year I missed that big buck in the cliffs. Now, there's some stimulating circumstance there. I was about to fall off and die. But. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I got, and that was a position where I just, I had to shoot in a really goofy angle. But again, I mean, you talk about dissecting, what have I, what should I have done? Well, I shouldn't have got out in the fucking cliffs is what I shouldn't have done because I couldn't, my legs were shaking (laughs) so bad. Yeah. I should have waited three yards back for that animal to move, uh, get up out of his bed and shoot it. Again, that's one, me owning up to being a dumbass, but two, making conscious decisions of what's going to be best. Now you can't ever see the future and it's easy to, you know, backstreet or back what a backseat quarterback myself now that's already happened. But again, the shot is no different. Now, when you're making the shot, you want to put everything in your, you know, you want to have everything in your court the best possible scenario you can to make that shot happen. Yes. And, you know, all of these things we're talking about is is obviously hopefully going to get you there. So, you know, if you guys, if anybody orders that grip, uh, you know, trigger grip clicker, I mean, obviously I'm more than willing to help. Tom can help. Again, I would say make sure 
I would give it at least two weeks to get it set in the exact perfect location. Like, don't get stressed. Like I have guys that have it already. And in like an hour, they're like, I can't get it to click right. You got to be able to move it a little bit to get in the exact position that you want it. And then be very honest with yourself. Are you doing everything the same every time? Because it will help you with your grip position as well. If you're changing Mm -hmm. your grip every time. You're changing your shot every time. Exactly. And so it'll help you keep your hand in the same position as well. And that's one thing I noticed with me was like, okay, Mr. Perfection, you are effed up. Like I, it wasn't much, but I was moving my hand a little bit. And then now I've noticed my hand position is the same every time in the grip. Nice. What do you think? What any any instructions for guys before we get off here? Yeah, um, the placement is everything. Uh, you'll notice that if you move it up into the pressure, it'll go off easier. Down away from the pressure, it'll go off harder. If you know, you may need a little more direct pressure on a lighter bow, a little less direct pressure on a heavier bow. It there is something to say that it needs to be exactly in the right spot to create the timing you're looking for too. You don't want it going off as you draw the bow. You might have to stiffen your hand off of it just a touch as you get into holding, you know, And but I don't want to see anything moving. I sh- you should not be able to see your hand coming off the bow. That's way too much. You don't want to create so much tension and it takes too long to get it back into the device, right? So it, it does take a little experimentation. I'd say the first one I set up probably did take me two weeks to finally find the nuance of what I liked. I'd say that uh, one or two moves on the last, you know, last couple of bows I put them on for myself, it's like five minutes, you yep. know, because I'm used to, I know what I'm looking for now. I would say most of the guys, um, it immediately has been an improvement to their shooting. Um, we've had beta. I, that's why I was so tickled a few months ago to get you on as my, one of my main testers because I knew you were really good with a limb-mounted clicker, like the best I know with a limb-mounted clicker. So if this thing, in my mind, if you said, yeah, this is the shit, I was like, okay, I'm on to something here, you know, and this is really worth spending more money on and pursuing because it's been a year in development. Alex uh, and I have worked really hard over the past year, and um uh, and getting this thing put together and getting it to market finally. But uh, placements, everything, call Alex or me at the shop. I'll talk to you as long as you need to about anything to do with your shooting or anything to do with traditional archery. And so will Alex, so so will the whole crew there. I mean, that's just the nature of the guys we have in our shop. They're always willing to help. So, um, yeah, placements, everything. The failure points are the same. The failure points in a shot are the same whether you're shooting untriggered with a with a limb on a clicker, this grip trigger, a feather touch, they're all the same. It's not making the transition intention. It's over-aiming or it is focusing on anything else than increasing tension through the full follow-through of your shot. If your mind diverts from that activity, your shot's going to fail. Um, we talked about, you know, being cognitive during your shooting. Hey, boil it down to a couple things that you need to think about to to make a good shot. You don't need to be thinking a 10 shots, 10 step shot sequence. No, boil it down to what you need to think about to shoot well. Then you're shooting with confidence. I just saw an article in a traditional magazine and the whole title to it was Don't Think. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a recipe for for failure. It's you know how much that article sucked my time out of my life when oh. guys sent me messages about that? And I'm like... Oh, dude, that's a classic <laughs> shoot with hope. Yeah, don't think. Just shoot with hope. Yeah. Not to make this podcast any longer, but quickly on that. Yeah. You can not think and be consistent enough 
at 10 to 15 yards. Yeah. Okay. Raise your hand if you can consistently get within 10 to 15 yards because I am a sneaky son of a bitch and it is difficult to get that close. (laughs) And so where, and Jake and I have talked about this, one of the things that helps me is my ability to shoot from 25 to 40. Um, I'm not saying everyone should shoot at that distance and very rarely do I shoot at 40. But 32, I am not shooting with hope. I am more confident at 32 to 35 yards than I am at any distance and you know, I get a lot of flack for this, but it's because I'm thinking, I'm analyzing, I am paying attention. Now, I'm not, you know, every, we've already talked about it, but if you're going to start the swing shooting and, the, you know, grip it and rip it, that is a 15-yard and in process. Yeah. And if that's what you want, fire away. Yeah, but enjoy the bow however you want to. It's just if you want to be accurate and, 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 you know, shoot shoot inside of a pie plate at 30 to 40 yards consistently – don't listen to anything that thing said because it will not get you there. And I'm not saying that to be negative towards anyone. And think about how many, I mean, you got me going now. How many people, (laughs) including Jeff Lander, made fun of me for the way that you taught me and said, you're never going to kill anything like that. I suppose at first a bunch, yeah. And so then you can't shoot fast. I'm like, well, why can't you? I don't have to do that. Yeah, you do whatever I want. So then I'm, of course, I'm confrontational. I'm like, all right, slick. Let's go the other way. You shoot the way I do. Yeah. They can't shoot the way that I can. And I don't mean groups. I'm not talking about groups. Yeah. Anchor, execute back tension, execute tension, right? No. Can you anchor and can't? No. They hit the face and that thing's gone. Oh, I, was, I lived that way for a decade, dude. I know. And so my point been there. for all of you haters listening is I can do what you do when I need to. I need to rip one off. And you do sometimes. You get yes. within six to eight yards. That's an absolutely appropriate shot sometimes. Oh, you told me when I shot that goat and I couldn't go to full dry, did some corrective uh, deductive reasoning and redneck ingenuity. I knew I didn't have the bullet full draw, so it was going to come out stiff. So it would hit left. I aimed on the right side. It worked perfect. Went right down the middle. <laughs> but I, I, I truly had enough wherewithal with everything you taught me to hit my anchor. And even though it was short, I didn't collapse. I, I increased tension short drawing it but just because my wing was all screwed yeah, up. Pulled right through it. Yeah. And it, and it worked. Now, the thing is with all of this is if you are, I'm just shooting to have fun. It's fun hitting when you're aiming at. Okay. So yeah. if you, uh, if you're saying you're just shooting to have fun to to shoot, I get it. But if you're already shooting, you might as well try and shoot better. And it does take a little bit of work to pull through a clicker, um, you know, or or uh, execute yours. You are going to have to have relatively decent form. The thing is, if you're going to go hunting, if you're going to shoot tournaments, whatever you're going to do, you want to hit what you're aiming at. You want to be successful. And so that's where these things come into play. And I had so many different guys tell me, Oh, Aaron has made this way too big of a deal. Him and Tom, you can just go do this. You can just, you know, whatever. And then I remember the first time your son saw me shoot at 40 in Canada. (laughs) He's like, can I film that? And I was like, yeah, dude, film. And I was firing broadheads, field tips, and bear shafts inside of a paper plate at 40. And I'm like, why? And he said, because I have so many people that call me. That, that argue about this whole thing. He's like, I, I've never seen anybody. Maybe not, he said, didn't say, I've never seen anybody. He was like, that. that's, imp- that's impressive shit. Oh, he came back and he goes, holy shit, Dad. Uh, uh, Aaron is 
for real. I, uh, you know, he was just blown away. I was like, I've been telling you, man. Well, and, and I'm not, you know, before haters, I'm not saying this to, this is not a bragging thing. This is of what you can do if you put your mind to it. And if you put your mind to it with some coaching and some help, and, and Tom offers the, the solid archery mechanics course, um, it's not as good as showing up at his shop, but it's the closest you're going to get. So if you're in BFE, I don't know, pick a state, whatever, Tennessee, just get the Solid Archery Mechanics yeah, course. Shootsaw.com. <laughs> yeah, and that that will help get you there because, believe me, I wouldn't be hitting shit if I didn't have help. And so, you know, the reason why it's not, you know, I'm, it, it's not like, oh, I just popped out of the womb being able to shoot a recurve. You took what I had and then you, you molded it. And there were some issues in there. You had to mold around. Yeah. And then we proceeded from there. And then we would dissect and we'd have these conversations at the shop and poke fun of it, each other and figure out a a resolution to something or a fix or, in your case, the grip clicker. Mm-hmm. And when you came out with that, and in and, and, and all fairness, I hope Tyler doesn't listen to this. He told me about it before you did. Now, he, and he told me he's, he uh, told you, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I was, I was like, okay, cool. He, he'll keep it quiet. Yeah, I didn't say anything, yeah. but I was waiting because I, I thought, okay, this this might fix my issues. So many people and, watch you that I was <laughs> nervous as heck about somebody seeing it. And it getting out there and some kind of public knowledge, which would have blown our patent up. Yeah. And oh, oh, yeah. I wasn't mad at all. That, you didn't tell me. <laughs> I just was like, okay, scenarios. Deep in the bush in BC, cord hung up on everything. It happened on my mountain lion. Yeah. Like, you watch me shoot that mountain lion. It's funny because they barely got tension on the cord. But you watch the shot. There's no anxiety. There's no, I pull through the shot, increase tension, and guys are like, I thought it was funny. They're like, oh, way to go with the clicker. I'm like, I just drug the motherfucker through seven miles of brush. It is not in the same spot. I, I didn't care. But as you move the cord towards the limb, which is where it gets hung up in the brush, your clicker, your drawing gets longer. The clicker cord gets longer. You move it down, you shorten it up. I yanked it all the way to my string muffler. It was an inch below. So I probably overdrew when I shot that thing. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, that's an issue, that cord. Okay, two, the next thing is clicker panic. Okay, or, or the click to collapse. The way my mind works, just like I can shoot a hinge as good as anyone. You give me a thumb button, I'll break the barrel off. <laughs> Why? The way my brain works. Yeah. When I heard about this, I'm like, I know how my brain works. This may fix a lot of my issues or potential issues. And again, I got it. I assessed. I, I left one on, left them both on. I got it to where they both click at the same time. Then I'd lengthen my limb clicker to where it wouldn't click to make in sure, the other one's clicking to make sure I'm still firing the same spot. And the, the thing with me is since my point on with one bow's 40, one's 35, that's a good assessment. 35, 40, and 45. So at 45, you're going to know if you're short drawn. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would put a dot where my aiming point is on my matrix target, which is actually the top diamond. And then I would 45. And if I'm laying them in there at 45 in a paper plate or smaller, now so every now and then I'll wing one out of there because it's me. Yeah. I'm like, all right. this. Well, you're human. Yeah. The, this, <laughs> the grip clicker is working. Okay. So Amy's laughing because I've got all these targets in a row and I'm like, fire, fire, fire back and forth. And then I'll go sit down and then I'll come over and I'll shoot from my knees. And it, cause I'm that analytical with all mm-hmm. of this. And I'm like, okay, what's another scenario I can come up with? I'm like, okay, snow berm, shit in the way. All right, now I'm firing over, and, and you know I missed a buck that way um, that, <laughs> in the high country. Okay, is this going to make me short draw? And what I found was no matter what, I was increasing tension 
99% of the time, every time I shot, which makes no sense, 99% of the time I was doing it correctly, and 99% for me is as good as it's going to get. I, I mean, and, and honestly, it's probably more like 90, but I'm increasing tension, and so when I'm lobbing it over banks, which is a very difficult shot when you can't see the body, mm-hmm. and you're, I'm not saying take that shot, don't Fred bear it, but when I know I'm aiming in the dirt, and it's launching over a berm, and, and you're hoping it goes into it, even though you know it should, mm-hmm. that, it, it fucks with your mind. And so those are all the different things. And then I'd get on the porch and be hanging off the porch shooting downhill. All right, did I I increase tension there? All of those times, I'm like, all right. Now, it didn't click all the time. Every now and then it didn't. But I still increased tension. Still increased tension and finished the shot. Yeah. That's what you were thinking about. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I was like, okay, the way my brain works, this is like when I went from a wrist rocket to a hinge. The way my brain works, this fixed the problem. And so, you know, and I didn't have these epic crisis problems, but any a 1% increase is great, you know, and yeah. this increased more than 1% because, there's, like I said, there's also the trigger falling off. Yeah. It's hard. I could barely get the damn grip trigger to come off. The one on the limb, it falls off. all. It fell off twice when I was with Tommy up in BC from rain, um, from yanking and bush and, and pulling on it. Yeah. And then other thing, you want to twist up your string. You either got to tie it on a special way or you have to twist it, make sure it's right, then do a half twist to get it in line. The next thing, when you pull your bow apart for traveling, and I am shitting on clickers right now as far as the one mounted to the limb because I fucking hate dealing with them. You pull your bow apart, you put it in your case, you get to where you're going, you put it back together. Did you do it right? Is it in the same spot? You got to pull your, if you have a slide on quiver, you got to pull it over the clicker. Where with this, it's on the grip. It doesn't make a shit of difference what you do. It's on the grip. It's not affecting anything with your string twists and, and anything else. So stuff for people to think about, I guess, is they're, yeah, they're, they're looking I, at getting that. You know, I Clicker has been magic for decades. It's a good tool. It's a damn good tool. I just really like this grip trigger. I mean, I kind of hate to do the people making cl- string out of, or limb out of clickers because it's been such a great tool for so long. But I think this is going to. I haven't had one guy yet out of our whole 100 people beta group in the last year not pull their clicker off the bow and go to this grip trigger. Yeah. Well, and I probably was the longest holdout because I was, as I'm making fun of string clickers. Good with them, man. It it works for me, and and I've gotten used to them. And so you're good with it. For me, it took two weeks to get the grip clicker right, another week or two before I'm like, I'm, I'm probably going to go to this. This is the way to go. And then I had to hide it and I kept calling you guys and yeah. I'm like, you know, and come on, you guys. Yeah. I was like, are you coming out of this thing? Like, cause I can't talk about it. And yeah. the problem I was worried about is pulling the, the string clicker off and then shooting without a clicker and having everyone do that. A million I questions. Did and yeah. go, well, not just them going to shit. Well, Aaron's going to try it without a string. Let me try it. Right. And not have the grip clicker. So I'm like, so then, because Amy was laughing, I lengthened it an inch, so it just didn't work. Yeah. Um, and I had it in a lot of pictures, uh-huh. but it never clicked because I was using the grip clicker. But I was worried about if I cut this thing off and people get an idea that a, a string clicker is bad, right. they're, they might right. go downhill, right? Yeah. And so yes, good point. I was trying to think of the users like, oh, Aaron tried it. I might as well give it a whirl. Excellent. I didn't want to do that because I had a, a, a palm clicker on there. So- I, there was a lot of thought into it. So finally, I called Alex. I was actually frustrated. I'm like, what's the deal? And I was kind of a dick, being honest. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> In a roundabout 45-second conversation, it was a no. 
And I said, so basically what you're saying after talking for 45 seconds, no. He's like, yeah, no, we don't have it ready yet. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. And I was like, call me the moment it's ready. Let me know. And because I was like, I want to, I want to, I was, I was excited. I wanted to tell people about it. Thank and, you. Yeah, no. And I was, I, I was probably in a bad mood from coronavirus and who knows what that day. Cause I'm like, Alex, is it ready? <laughs> sort of. Like, Alex, what's sort of? And you know how I can get. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> I was like, you could have just told me no and saved me the last 60 seconds, dude. And he's like, yeah, man, should be a week. And, the thing is, is I, I should know better and not got frustrated at them because we uh, have that happen here. I mean, and you guys sell dude, products of ours. Yeah. You have this plan and then something that's out of your control is this huge, giant bridge that's crumbled in. You can't get across because you're waiting on a specific plastic. Oh, dude, I can't phone. tell you how many times we said it should be two more weeks. And we believed at that moment it was going to be two more weeks. <laughs> yeah. And then it was going to be, oh, well, and I can't tell you how many times we said that and like... Oh, frustrating, man. <laughs> it's like, no, we can't take that to market yet. You know, yeah. it had to, we had to get it dialed in, man. We just had to have it right. Yeah. You know. Uh, well, it's it's funny. I had one prototype. Well, I had five of the same prototype. And I had to call you yesterday. I talked to Tracy and I'm like, dude, what do I have? Because people are asking about larges and smalls and rectangle. I was like, I don't even know what I got. And <laughs> he was like, oh, here's what we got. I was like, oh, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. Because I, I, I didn't know, because I just had a round, you know, I had the, the actual clicker portion, then I had this round patch. Right. And I actually got to a point on one of my bows, I took vet wrap and I wrapped um, vet wrap over it. And that works well. The only problem with that is, you have, I marked my, I put two little tick marks with a knife above and below it yeah. and left and right of it. So when I set it on there to put the vet wrap on, I knew where it was at to get it in place because there's no sticky on vet wrap. Yeah. Um, but guys, if you're going to wrap your um, grip, some guys use like that tennis racket tape and everything, you're going to have to put it over, you can't, and I tried this, cause I don't do that, I just knew people would. You can get it to work over the, vet wrap or excuse me over the tennis racket tape it will the audible click will be a lot less and there's a chance and if this happens what i found is you can basically take a hard flat surface whatever that may be i took really thin hdpe and put that below the clicker to go over the top of the vet wrap or excuse me the the tennis wrap tape and that'll work just fine and if guys that wrap their their have you ever seen the tennis wrap tape? It's pretty thick. Mm -hmm. it, the clicker sometimes on that will not work as well. So you just have to have a hard surface below it. It doesn't take that much. And it may work fine with your vet wrap or your tennis racket tape. If it doesn't, you can get a hold of Tom or me, but I can explain to you how I got it to work. It wasn't a big deal. I actually took a fishing tackle box uh, plastic divider. Mm -hmm. I cut it squared and then I actually, I put it on a sander to thin it out. And I got it as thin as I could, and then that's what I used to put that clicker on top of. What that vet or that tennis racket tape's so thick, yeah. I think it just squishes so much, and then the where it's concaved fills that up with foam, and it takes so much pressure because it's it's basically filling it with foam. Yeah, it's just something for people to think about. Now, another thing we're doing on on ones that are kind of, you know, uh, just a touch too hard, we're putting a little felt, kind of a little felt button on it. It's got sticky back on it. Yeah. With the packages. Yeah. And it's kind of like in a little accentuate. You put that right over the center of the pressure point. Yeah. And it, 
it's like an eighth inch thick. It's like too thick. Yeah. And so it'll go off too easy. But then you take a razor blade and start shaving it down. Yeah. So it's a way to micro tune the amount of pressure it takes for that thing to go off. Yeah. But if you took a little piece of tennis racket tape or anything a 16th inch thick and just yeah. cut a little circle and put it right over the center, it will make it go off way easier, like accentuate the pressure. And so there's a, that's a way to fine tune this baby. It's gotcha. just a little bit over the, the center of the fixture to just to put a little more pressure on it to fine tune that last little bit where you want it just perfect. And I think with this, what it was is they wrap, 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 and it's overlapping. And the overlapping, that squishiness, when you put that down and, you know, the the concave is, is away, right? So right, right. when your hand's hitting it, it actually fills with the grip tape yeah. in the cone and you can't, it's then you have movement. to, yeah. yeah, and then you have to push it through the foam. Now, I, you know, having said that, obviously, I think you guys got how to fix it. The other thing, I shoot with two of them back to back. That's how much pressure I put on my palm. Yeah. Yeah. So, we can stack them for guys if they want, order them. Well, and I, <laughs> I was like, okay, this isn't, when I first got, I'm like this, if I fart, I'm getting this to click because I have that much palm I'm not over palming it. I just shoot with such a low wrist. Yeah. I couldn't get it in the right spot where I wanted it. And so I, I ended up making, I, I double, I, I have two clickers there and then I raised it up to where it honestly probably wouldn't fire for anyone. And right. I may have been able to get it to work with one, but that was my sweet spot. I doubled them up and that's no, just what yeah, for and me. you were able to do that. That's going to be an option coming down the road. Well, we can put two or three of those fixtures on top of one another. I would say I'm the point oh 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 one percent that yeah. would need two. Uh, and that's common, but we can do that. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I think it, for me too, it just happened as I was screwing around. Once I got it right, uh-huh. I was afraid to move it and take it off because it was firing so well. I didn't want to be like, oh, let me go back to one and move it around some more. So I just left it with yeah with yeah. two. So no, there's more iterations coming. We got the patent approved and did the filing to get the official number. And then we've got a, I think they call it a continuation going to have more uh, variations of the same thing. Yeah. And so we'll talk about those when the continuations get approved. Cool, cool. Well, man, I, I, I won't take up any more of your time. I appreciate you getting on here and uh, and talking about this. I was super excited, uh, you know, about it and wanted to, to let people know just so they could give it a try because I think it will solve a lot of people's issues. Well, so. thank you, buddy. Your input's been great to have too. I mean, uh, get a shooter like you that's, you know, that that was kind of my final stamp of approval when you is when you kind of reported back on this. I was like, okay, we got something here. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I think I shot a 293 300 round with Holy it. Holy mackerel. Um, which before anybody gets uh, dimmer, if you're listening, I cannot do that in competition right now. That was total, <laughs> uh, what do you call that? Uh, that that was a archery shop rat score. That is totally no one around me and no pressure. But the ability that I had to, to do that and not fling any out in the one ring, I was pretty excited about. That's so. cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool, man. Uh, we're going to get off. Thanks for listening to everybody. And uh, RMS Gear is uh, at RMS Gear is Instagram. And then... Solid, what is it for Solid Arch? Solid Arch, uh, shootsolid.com or Solid Arch Mechanics is on the, on the RMS Gear website. And then I'm Tom underscore Clum underscore Senior SR. All right, there you go, so everyone. There's information there too, shooting stuff. All right, I appreciate it.